I would say we should probably do the Apple event first, since that's uh, that's going to be the closest to um, closest to, I guess, the biggest news. Okay, you mean when this is released a month from now? And <laughs> right. Welcome to LH Apple event. This one was about services, which means that first they released a bunch of stuff that are not related to services the previous week that I think we covered everything for. Yeah, except for AirPower. They did not release AirPower. Yeah, they only they only did stuff earlier in the week, I guess. The event started off with a sort of 70s-style intro. talking. It was sort of like a, I don't know, like a, a movie intro kind of thing or an old 70s TV show kind of thing. A made-for-TV movie that was styled in the 70s. I mean, it made sense considering that uh, most of the keynote was about their TV service. Mm-hmm. During, during that little intro, they, they said they had various Apple products that were featured as though they were humans, um, written by Apple Pencil. I, I can't imagine someone going and handwriting out the entire keynote. That seems like it would be not the, the best device to use to write it. See now, was it written with Apple Pencil 1 or Apple Pencil 2? These are the things we need to know. Uh, they had like all of the devices pop up at some point, like the iPhone and the watch and stuff. And I was amused that there, when the uh, watch rotated, it did a little hop. I actually, I didn't notice that at all. Okay, yeah. The watch rotated and did a little hop like it was happy. I'm looking at my notes and it says about services. And my first note after that the uh, thing is about services is meh. <laughs> eh, I mean, I kind of see it. Uh, or I mean, I kind I see the uh, the meh part of it, but I also see you know some appeal depending on what uh, depending on what it is that they're doing as a service. I guess the thing that I'm looking at when it comes to the service is how disruptive is it? What they're doing, you know, are they doing something that is also a me too, not hashtag me too. <laughs> are they doing something a service that's basically a me too to other things out there or are they contributing in a way that is actually you know decently disruptive and will change the industry like i mean something like uh you know itunes the original itunes store mm-hmm. selling uh selling songs selling um tv shows that kind of stuff it ultimately and en- did end up being disruptive yeah and it's uh, one of the things that uh, it ended up being a big solution to things like, uh, you know, music piracy. Right. And also eventually, eventually, you know, video services like Netflix, if a show is on Netflix, there's less of an incentive for somebody to pirate it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, like Netflix ended up being disruptive. And with uh, eventually, say, HBO that uh, you remember that old cartoon from, I want to say it was the oatmeal talking about that, how much easier it was for him to just go ahead and pirate game of Thrones mm-hmm. than actually pay for some kind of service. Right. And that eventually moved to, you know, H HBO doing, you know, HBO now having something unbundled where you can pretty much pay for it and ending end up having a, you know, convenient experience. Right. So with some of these, 
you know, with some of these, like, you know, the TV service that they're doing, they're doing new shows. They're, you know, they're bringing new shows to the table, but they're not really disrupting anything. It's another service like, uh, you know, like Amazon Prime having their own TV shows and Netflix having their own TV shows and CBS All Access having their own TV shows. So, I mean, that that's not being disruptive. But um, the first real thing they covered, the news, plus, you know, the Apple News Plus, I actually see that as being potentially disruptive. Before before we get there, I did want I do want to mention something that's sort of related to our last podcast in that Tim Cook, while considerably worse at speaking than Steve Jobs, is so much better than Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right. I'd rather have like Elon Musk's sort of visionary ambitions, but uh when giving a presentation, Tim Cook is definitely better at it. Although this time around, you notice uh, when they introduced, uh, when they pretty much started off the whole thing with services, they had a list of tenants, or they had a list of pretty much uh, bullet points about like what they believe their services should be. Mm-hmm. You know that it should be easy to use. It should be. Uh, it should have privacy. It should have family sharing. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is that you're laying out your North Star. Like uh, he was laying out the North Star of what their services should entail. I think Tim Cook is a decent speaker. He just doesn't have the energy that uh, Steve Jobs had. Elon Musk has energy, but he has no organization. Right. He, he always feel It always feels like he's stumbling over what to say. Mm-hmm. You know, we should do an Elon Musk drinking game. You know, next next time there's a Tesla announcement, we should come up like with with a list of traits that uh, that Elon Musk has, and one sip for every minute late this show starts. Oh my god! Oh my god! I want to remember the show. Uh, I want to remember their keynote. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that would be a very a very interesting <laughs> drinking game. Okay. If he says first principles, a shot. Every time he looks down at the floor, thinking about what to say, he also has a tendency to what, what smile before, right before saying something he thinks is clever, or the or or uh, he he also does lots of uh, actuallys. Okay, we we need to make this now. Okay, back to the Apple presentation. The first service, Apple News, that we started to talk about. Well, Apple News Plus. They're talking about how Apple News is the number one app for news in ios and the mac because it's built in well they didn't say because it was built in but that's why it's why it's number one it's true that it's because it's built in i think there is something to be said about the fact that they're doing actual curation that they're not entirely uh, relying on algorithms a la facebook i did like the fact that they are trying to show that they value journalism Mm-hmm. They're trying to actually do a service that encourages good articles and good journalism rather than, you know, just clickbaity crap. Right. Which, I mean, I feel like um, with their News Plus service that that's first off, that's an attempt at doing that. And second off, it's a, uh, you know, it's a form of disruption. There, I think of it back in the days of uh, file sharing, you know, Napster, LimeWire, etc., that uh, you would download a song and you would end up potentially not even getting the song that you wanted. You would end up getting a mislabeled song. You'd be at risk for downloading malware if you didn't know what you were doing. 
a lot of the time it ended up being a bad experience. And what I think Apple saw with this whole thing with, um, with magazines and newspapers now is you go to a newspaper or magazine website and it is user hostile. You go there and there are either a ton of ads, a ton of pop-ups, or if you're even using an ad blocker, a lot of the time there's something that's like an ad blocker blocker mm-hmm. that uh, want that where they want you to whitelist the site. Or in the case of something like the wall street journal, so much of the time that, uh, in my feed, I'd get linked to a Wall Street Journal article, and it would say, in order to read this story, become a member, sign up, right? sign up and sign into the site. And it's like, okay, I'm not reading, I'm not signing up to the Wall Street Journal just in order to read this article that's online. With this, you know, with uh, Apple News Plus, it's first off, it's, you know, providing a kind of all you can eat in terms of, you know, magazines and uh, specific newspapers that sign up to it. Roughly 300 magazines that they accidentally mm. said 3,000 at first. <laughs> yeah, that, that, oh God, that was a goof. With this, I can go into Apple News and uh, I can actually go ahead and I can read these articles and not have it be overwhelming, not have it be an overwhelmingly bad experience. Mm. So it's out right now, right? It is out. Did you did you subscribe to it? Yes, I did. Do you have any in- initial impressions? I mean, I didn't get a lot of time with it. First thing I did was I uh, went in and looked at National Geographic, and uh, there are still ads <laughs> because they're basically just the magazines, right? Also, a lot of them are PDFs, and then there's other others that are the Apple News format. Yeah, so you're flipping in, um, at least for the National Geographic, which I chose that because that was one of the examples that they showed, you know, on their... Right, with their sort of their live cover feature, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you know, you're flipping through like you would a magazine, mm-hmm. at least, you know, from article to article. So you're flipping mm-hmm. left and right, uh, you know, in order to see an article, it's like, okay, article, flip, you know, you flip the page. Add, add, article, add, add, article. So, I mean, it's similar to a magazine experience. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a little better because the article is all on one page, at least from my experience there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're still getting ads. But, I mean, even if you pay a subscription fee to have the magazine sent to your house, you get ads. So, it, exactly. Exactly. But you're still looking at rather than having the new school uh, sort of ad where it's tracking you. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much it's tracking what you're doing. It's um, trying to pretty much customize the ad to who you are. So, for instance, if you look up uh, if you look up Viagra on a site, you'll end up getting uh, lots of Viagra ads, you know, on the rest of the Internet. Well, you're, you're saying that the Apple News product is not doing this, right? The Apple News Plus product is not doing this. Yeah, just to clarify. Yeah, they were saying as one of the tenants is that it's not going to allow for any kind of tracking, Mm -hmm. which it's like, okay, it's kind of uh, it's their attempt at putting the genie back in the bottle. Mm -hmm. And the uh, what the compromise is with uh, these publishers is that you're not going to get as much money per magazine, but you are going to get a whole lot more people looking at your content and... uh, you know, if you do good content, you're going to end up getting money from having, you know, 10 times or 50 times as many people looking at your stuff. At least, uh, you know, at least I'm sure that's the uh, that's the pitch that they're giving to these specific media companies. 
I, I I assume that they also included like if they do sell ads within the magazine itself that they can now up their distribution numbers depending on what Apple says that they had for coverage. That's yeah, that's fair as well. I feel like it's uh it's a decent service, at least from what I can see. It's not a perfect service. Because uh, what I what I would love is I would love more newspapers. I would have loved having the New York Times and the Washington Post mm-hmm. be part of this service, but uh, that doesn't make any sense for either of these newspapers. It, it doesn't make sense for them to go to Apple because I mean, from my perspective, I'm already paying something like ten bucks a month, somewhere around ten bucks a month for each. I don't know what the exact amount is again. So going from paying uh, 20 bucks for two magazines to going to paying 9.99 for 300 magazines and then, then you know and then a bunch of newspapers. Yeah. They're not going to get nearly as much money from that sort of arrangement. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally understand why they wouldn't sign on to that. It was interesting that uh, the Wall Street Journal and the LA Times did, but uh, I guess because if you get like a digital subscription to the Wall Street Journal, it can cost something like, well, I was looking at the actual, someone, someone in their tweet said like $450 a year. But when I was looking at the actual prices online, it seemed like about half that. But maybe that's an introductory offer. Is that for just digital only or are, are you actually getting, so it's like 200 something a year? So huh. yeah, yeah. I saw it was something like digital only was if you bought a year at a time. It was like $16 a month. Um, and I don't know if that, that clearly is not add up to 450 but it's still like a couple hundred. The LA Times is also digital subscription would be, um, the, the tweet said 200 but I'm suspicious there as well. For just having one of those, it's the, theoretically would make Apple News worth it. But then um, I looked into it a bit more and it would appear that for the Wall Street Journal, it surfaces sort of general interest articles, um, and it doesn't surface like the business articles. So if you want the business section, or if you want access via the web, you still want the web access. Um, in addition to that, like the Apple News only has three days worth of archive for the Wall Street Journal. And it can access a lot of the business articles, but you have to specifically search for them. So you have to know you have to know about like what article you want to read in order for it to show up with uh, the Wall Street Journal access for through Apple News. See, what I was planning to do with this is that each time I see something on my Feedly RSS feed um, that links to the Wall Street Journal, I'll go ahead and find a way to switch over to Apple News and search for the article and have it pull up. That would be the idea, yeah. What I was thinking here is it would be nice if somebody made a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Where it would, uh, you're on the Wall Street Journal site, and it would take that, and it would automatically load it up in Apple News. This this sounds like uh, a utility that you should write. Time permitting. <laughs> this sounds like a utility that you should, but will not write. <laughs> right. I'm sure. I'm almost certain that somebody else will try and take a stab at that. So let them go ahead and do that first. One of those people that are young and hungry, unlike us. And and so the other thing with the Wall Street Journal is. Apparently, part of their deal is they can pull out of Apple News at any time. So if they seem like they're losing too many subscribers, they can just get out of Apple News. I wish Apple would just buy the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) 
<laughs> there we go. The, the, the funny thing is like this whole, like what is, um, what is allowed on the wall street journal, what kinds of things you have to specifically search for and the archive was reported by the wall street journal. So the wall street journal ran a story that was basically a rumor about itself. Yes. I remember that. Well, you know what it may be is that, uh, it's entirely possible that the people at uh, the people running the story had no idea, and uh, of course, the uh, the business types at the top ended up knowing. Right, but it's still pretty funny that like they have permission to run a rumor story about themselves. Yeah, I found that funny too. I was thinking, it's like okay, um, the plus just reminds me of the phones, how they had you know the six plus, the seven plus, the eight plus. So does this mean that two years down the line, they're going to change it to Newsmax? <laughs> that was probably their original naming for it. And they just, someone decided, no, this this is horrible. Well, Newsmax is already a thing. Oh, so maybe it was a, a trade trademark issue. Apple TV and Apple News, they were already existing products. Mm-hmm. So uh, they had to do the plus in order to say, okay, this is an add-on to the existing offering. Whereas if they didn't have this, it would have just been better for them to just call it Apple TV and Apple News. Apple's not good at naming things somehow. I think what they do here is they realize that, okay, if the name's terrible, people will still get used to it with time. Mm -hmm. After all, remember the iPad? You know, when the iPad was first announced that people just made fun of it? Like, why isn't it the iSlate? Why isn't it the iTablet? And now we just kind of shrug it off. Yeah. The next thing that uh, was in the presentation was the Apple Card. This is the credit card we talked about it a little bit before. It was interesting. I I kind of like that there is no card number on it. Then the card has two percent back if you use Apple Pay, one percent back for if you don't use Apple Pay, three percent back for Apple products. Meh. The thing that they do differently than most other credit cards is you get daily cash back. Um, and it's in the sort of the form of the Apple cash that you can then send along to other people. And I guess the thing there is this actually helps Apple more than it helps you because it keeps a lot of the cash in the Apple ecosystem, especially if you go and then spend it on like iTunes and stuff. I mean, what do you feel overall? Do you think you're going to get one? Yeah, just because of the 3% on Apple products. I mean, it's it's not a big difference, but... I figure I probably spent enough on Apple products. I think the wire cutter was saying that there was a card that actually gave a similar um, return uh, on Apple products. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't have one of those cards. Well, you don't. You don't have an Apple card now either. That's true. <laughs> What's kind of interesting about it is: uh, Are you going to actually get regular statements the same way you would from a regular credit card? I bet you there's got to be a way that you can have it via like a PDF that's saved or something. There has to be Mm -hmm. something like that. And the reason that has to have something like that is nobody is ever going to, uh, is it's, it's possible that you might need it to get like approved for a loan or something like any sort of financial account. Yeah. So that was the first question I had. Second, when it comes to uh, viewing your account, they said that it's basically all going to be in the wallet app. You use, uh, you pretty much use Face ID. You go into the wallet and use Face ID to authenticate yourself, and everything will end up being there. 
Well, I know that if you need to get your card and expiration and everything number, you have to go into the wallet app. And it was unclear to me if like those are one-time use card numbers or if they uh, or if it's a card number that stays persistent. See, I would love a one-time use card number for this. Yeah, unless you want to auto renew stuff, like auto payment stuff would be too annoying to do with a with a one time. MBNA before uh, Bank of America ended up buying them or merging with them had something that was like that, where you could set up a um, not necessarily a temporary card number, but a unique card number where you could set limits. Mm-hmm. Like, say for instance, uh, the card number you set up that's linked to yours will allow for up to, say, $100 a month. Mm-hmm. So what you can do with that is you um, you use that for whatever kind of subscription or whatnot that you're going to assign to that number. Mm-hmm. And that way you're safe in case that number ends up getting stolen or compromised or anything like that. Right. I mean, I felt like that part of the presentation where they were talking about the security of it, it didn't seem to be well presented because it's still kind of unclear How does it work and what is it that they're doing with it? I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love a future where uh, everything is pretty much contactless, where you don't need to give a credit card number anymore Mm -hmm. to anybody that you just give, uh, you know, you just pretty much authenticate with your face or your thumbprint or something like that. And they end up getting like a hash, some kind of a hashed version of the number. Right. And I think they're trying to work toward that by having the 2% back be like for apple pay they're trying to get increased demand for contactless payments so more retailers support apple pay and then maybe we'll get to the world where we don't need to carry a card at all and i mean even just a world where you don't have a card with a mag strip on that Mm -hmm. is just uh you know that would be nice like I, I was thinking about like how many small vendors are out there where they still have a terminal that requires a mag strip. I mean, I ran I ran into that on my trip. Right. And uh, so I was thinking about it. It's like, okay, with this card, if you run into some old school vendor that's, uh, you know, that has one of those square terminals where the, uh, you know, where the card reader plugs into the uh, um, headphone jack, mm-hmm. you know, what then? Mm-hmm. What then if there isn't a mag strip? Are you then just giving them the number? How do you get around that? And also, there are so many restaurants that are still exactly the same way that are using the, they have an old uh, point of sale system that doesn't have support for that, mm-hmm. for the uh, the new um, chip. For what it's worth, anything, anything that makes it where uh, you don't have to have a mag strip anymore in order to read your card, I am all for. The worst thing are gas pumps. Up in um, Seattle, I mean, are most of the gas pumps still using the uh, MagStripe reader? I've been driving an electric car for three years, Mark. <sighs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know this gas spit station of which you speak. But I mean, even like being around friends. Uh, I don't have friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And my family drives the Teslas, too. <laughs> okay, you are not the person to ask on this. No, I'm not. You're the worst person in the world to ask this question to. I, I am indeed. Okay. 
So from my experience, at least being up in Seattle, I noticed that most of the gas stations are still using the magnetic reader on their external pumps. And even down here in Southern California, the majority of them are still using the magnetic readers Mm -hmm. on the pumps. They're not, they don't even have like chip reader support. Mm -hmm. However, if you go up towards San Francisco, a lot more of the pumps that are there actually take contactless payments, which I have no idea why it's up to, you know, up in that direction. I am hoping within the next two or three years that if most gas pumps end up start starting to at least take the chip and hopefully contactless payment, I won't need to carry around a card that has a, uh, a mag, you know, a magnetic strip on the back. Or you could just buy a Tesla. I mean, there were the parts where it was saying that they were specifically trying to uh, make it where you pay less interest. Yeah, but then they released the interest rates and it's basically the same as every other credit card, like 14 to 24 percent. Yeah, the interest rates aren't competitive at all. However, I do like the planning part of it. I mean, that part's, uh, you know, that part's decent. Yeah, I liked the the looking up of the transaction kind of thing like the plot mm-hmm. where they you did the transaction on a map or whatever uh to mm-hmm. like the reverse lookup of the thing though i guess square did that first i'm told what i see from this is that the apple card will be disruptive not in the card itself but that they will force other vendors to do some of the uh, customer-friendly things that they are doing. In that case, if you can find a vendor that has a much lower interest rate that is competing with them, then you go for them instead of Apple. But then, I mean, for me, interest rate isn't that important because most of the time when I use these cards, I'm making purchases and then paying it off in full. Right. I That's pretty much why I completely ignore the interest rate. Um, <laughs> I like also the, uh, the grouping of transactions mm-hmm. and pretty much analytics on your payment, uh, analytics on what you're purchasing. Right. I mean, I think that's neat. It's neat, but it's not, you know, it's not over the top. Oh my God. Wow. The other thing is though, as long as you're not using it for absolutely everything, it doesn't give you a complete picture, which is why I use like mint anyway. Sure. But their hope is that they will that you will use it for everything. Yeah, it's still not going to include your mortgage. Yeah, right. That's true. That's true. Think for me, the one benefit that I've seen with this whole with the whole Apple Card thing is uh, it made me go on the wire cutter and nerd wallet and see what else is out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm tempted that uh, when the Apple card comes out, I may end up getting it, but uh, I may also switch to, you know, a much better card than what I have right now for my primary card. I also wanted to mention that like a lot of the analytics they do, like the current uh, cards do a lot of it as well. Like the, they have like um, pie charts with different categories and everything like that and mm-hmm. can drill down and do stuff like that. See, also um, of note is that with this card, they're not going to sell any of your purchase information. Right. And they have the agreement with Goldman Sachs, which is their backer, that they mm-hmm. will not sell. They, well, they said that it won't be sold for marketing and sales purposes. Does that mean it could be sold for other reasons? There may be government purpose. 
purposes with this. Like, but they, I don't think they'd be selling it for that though. I don't know. But in any case, it may be worth having that card where, uh, if you want your purchase to be super secret and not be added to uh, whatever kind of shadow profile there is of you out there, mm-hmm. use the Apple card. Yeah. I think they mentioned that Apple doesn't see your transactions, so I guess it must just be Goldman Sachs, right? Right. Well, I mean, the issuing bank would need to see the transactions. Right. I mean, you'd have to have some sort of way to audit it and mm-hmm. also verify right. it, especially if you want to deduct things on your taxes or whatever. Overall, the card's kind of eh. It's meh. It's good for Apple. I may get one. Less space than a nomad. Lame. <laughs> So I guess, uh, want to talk about Apple Arcade? Yeah, let's talk about Apple Arcade. Apple is, it's, it's the company that you think of when you think of gaming, right? All of those great Mac games, Photoshop. What was, didn't they do a console back in the nineties? The Pippin? Yeah, I guess. I don't think that that ever had a lot of support. And I think it was a partner with someone else too, right? Uh, I don't know. I uh, I repress that memory. <laughs> so I like I like what they're trying to do with Apple Arcade. I, as I'm sure everyone knows, almost every game that's on mobile is a free to play, horrible game. And anytime an actual good game that charges money comes out people complain about the five dollars that they have to spend on this game in order to play it for hours and so nobody makes any money with games that are up front and they may only make money with things that are free to play and this is extremely irritating because it results in the quality of games that are on mobile being pretty awful the the idea is that well let's help support these games that actually would have been pay up front uh, by including them in sort of a, a, a Netflix for games type of service on the iOS. And they said also Mac uh, platforms or they said desktop. Yeah. And also Apple TV. And so I'm hopeful that they will get some good games in there um, and that it will be good enough that people actually pay for the service and it's self-perpetuating. Um, what I'm curious about here with Apple Arcade is what does it take in order to have your game be on Apple Arcade? That is also a good question. I, it, did they say that they're doing curation for this? They said that they were working with individual indie publishers. Right. But I think that those were more for their exclusives, right? Yeah, I think so. So it's unclear if... Like, you can just say, yes, I want it available for Arcade, or if you have to be good enough first. Yeah. But, I mean, even still, even if, you're, uh, if your game is completely crappy and it ends up being on Apple Arcade, that's not terrible because you're, uh, you're not paying money specifically for that game in order to play it. Mm-hmm. And you just delete it from your phone and never touch it again. Yeah, but the problem is that so previously, like uh, there would be like a guy, someone who made a uh, game, spent a lot of time on it, and working at the mechanics was really difficult. Like the the threes problem, like where there was a game called Threes that um, 
went on to iOS. They was well thought out and they spent a lot of time thinking about the rules and everything. And it was pay up front. And then very shortly after that, a game called 2048, which has very similar gameplay was released, but it was free and it just sort of cannibalized all of it. You could see something similar happening um, with the arcade where someone puts it out, it gets a lot of time from Apple and someone just directly clones it. And so that's one reason why you might think that you want it to be curated. So the people that actually do the original content are rewarded for it. But on the other hand, if it's on arcade and there's, you know, somebody does a clone, it's uh, the attention is going to go towards first off whoever did it first and second off whoever did it better Mm -hmm. and also uh, a big part of the app store now is that apple does do the curation so both could potentially be on apple arcade but apple gives a lot more attention to the original one that's possible yeah my understanding is that the game publisher is going to be paid based off of the time the amount of time that the person spends Mm -hmm. within the game So, you know, say, for instance, you play 10 hours a month on your phone within games that are part of Apple Arcade. If half of the time is going to be spent within, you know, one specific game. This also encourages, but this problem with this is this also encourages time suck games. A game that has like an endless grind that's leveling would make way more money than like a super polished, really fun game. Like, say, for example, Rez. Mm-hmm. I want Res to take more of my money, even though I spend less time on it, right? It is a hard metric to measure how uh, how fun an individual game is. Yeah. Unless a person, unless that person is uh, specifically providing input. Like, uh, you know, like they're doing something like the Humble Bundle. Like, you know, when you buy a Humble Bundle and you say how much money you want to go to charity and how much money you want to go to developers. Imagine at the end of each month, you say, OK, I want this percentage of my uh, yeah Apple Arcade dues to go to this developer. I, I, <laughs> I, I would really support that kind of mechanism. That would be great. But that is so un-Apple. Yeah, they, they almost certainly wouldn't do that. They'll try and have some sort of automatic metric. Maybe they would do like... Maybe they could combine your rating of the game with, um, like, if you have an App Store rating, um, combine your rating of the game with the time spent on it. Oh, so it's like a multiplier. Yeah. So a, a one-star game with uh, where a person spending a lot of time makes doesn't make as much money. Right. But then that would encourage that would encourage like uh, App Store rating abuse, which there's been plenty of already. But it wouldn't necessarily be like the average rating from everyone. It would just be from the people who are part of the Apple game service, right? So this this becomes a problem if you include everyone that plays the game, because then you could have like the click farmers, the review farmers doing it. Mm-hmm. But if these people also have to pay for Apple's service, it's really more difficult to abuse. Unless they're paying $10 per month per click. <laughs> uh, that, Yeah, that's not financially viable. But uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, so yeah, I, I, would, I would hope that they do it that way. Like if there's, they, they would assume a, an amount, like if you didn't give it any rating at all. Um, and then if you did rate it, you would either add or subtract from it based off of that. Like, like maybe they assume 
the a, a distribution amount equivalent to a two star rating or something, and you deduct mm-hmm. for one and you add for anything else. I'm I seriously doubt that this is what they're doing right now, but uh, I think that it would be neat if they did. What they're probably doing right now is curating. Yeah. If they did it based off of time, like this other, there's a lot of other things that could be abused. Like say there is, then they would, the developers would be motivated to have like sort of an in-game progress quest kind of deal where like the longer you spend with the app open, the more gold you get or whatever. Hey, I, uh, I kind of like the idea of uh, progress quest being on Apple Arcade. (laughs) I would just leave Progress Quest on my Apple TV and have it grind. Uh, 99% of your $10 goes to Progress Quest minus Apple's cut. I don't know what Apple's cut is. My guess is the 30%. I would hope, but it's given news, it's possible that it's 50. You know what the difference is with news, I think? Is with news, you already had magazines that are on newsstands mm-hmm. where the uh, the person the shop owner is getting a cut, you know, they're getting like a decently sized cut for their magazines already. So all they're doing is they're replacing the uh, physical shop store owner with Apple. Those kind of margins are more within the realm of, uh, you know, magazines, I guess, but like their digital versions, they don't have that. I, st- I think 50% is a bit abusive. Yeah. Which it's possible they may change that with time too, depending on how well Apple News Plus goes. Yeah. When a competitor comes out that offers the same thing. Are there any of those games that they showed there? Did any of them look interesting to you? Uh, Yeah, some of them look kind of interesting, uh, though not as interesting as, I I don't know. They they look look okay. I, I would have to learn more. What I like about it is that if this is uh, Apple Arcade is not only iOS and Apple TV, but also Mac, it's also a decent opening for gaming on Mac. Can finally get decent video cards. Well, I wouldn't go that far. No, I wouldn't go that far because the video hardware isn't that great on iOS and Apple TV. No, it's it's the the. The graphics hardware on iOS is very good compared to Android. And it's decent compared to even the integrated um, Intel graphics. Yes, but whatever they're developing, they're developing specifically for these three platforms together. So it's not going to, uh, it's not going to make as much sense. Yeah, I, I guess. But I remember like with the A12, Apple was talking about how it was roughly equivalent in power to the original Xbox One. Meanwhile, the Qualcomm Snapdragon 3, uh, 835 is roughly equivalent to a 360. One thing I am hoping from this is that uh, if there is actually a decent decent subscription to Apple Arcade that uh, this will incentivize them to put better graphics hardware in the Apple TV. Uh Uh-huh. I hope, but we'll see. I mean, after all, the Apple TV 4K is uh, probably the device that has to deal with the most amount of resolution. Mm -hmm. Besides, of course, the iMac. I'll note that they did not mention how much it costs, which means it's probably a lot. So people are saying that they think it'll be $10 a month, but I bet you it'll be higher. 
I mean, I was thinking between 15 to 20 because they didn't announce it right away. Mm-hmm. Or they're looking for it to be a, oh my God, oh my God, it's only 10 bucks a month moment once they release it. Right. Well, people were saying they think it's worth, probably worth $5 a month. So they think it'll be $10 a month, but I think that it'll be more than $10 a month. (laughs) The Apple way. And then the other thing is it's nice that everything is playable offline. Yeah. In contrast to uh, Google Stadia. I mean, it shows a fundamentally different approach on how to do things. So lastly, let's talk about Apple TV+. Plus. Well, there's Apple TV and Apple TV+, Plus because oh, yeah. there's the new purchasing of channels a la carte thing in the, app, in the TV app. So you can buy whatever you want for roughly $10 a channel. Uh, it's like it's a small step forward but still a giant failure on their part i mean it's it's nice that you can get those channels integrated into the tv app instead of having to pay have them on their own apps i guess because then you can search for it in a more uniform way the thing about it is that the tv app still isn't going to be the go-to place for everything because uh it's, I mean, is it, uh, it's not going to integrate with every, every live TV service. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to, I still don't think it integrates with Netflix. No, it does not. Netflix specifically announced that they would not be part of it. So, I mean, Netflix is, uh, they're purposely kneecapping Apple on this, which I can understand why, considering that Apple announced today that they're competing with them. Yeah, and that would be the Apple TV Plus stuff. So Apple is also doing their own premium content. And I assume that part of Apple TV Plus is also Netflix-y style stuff where they bring in other people, right? Or did they even talk about that? Uh, I didn't really hear anything about that. I mean, most of what they covered there was just the original content that they're doing. Yeah, that that is what they focused on, but I'm trying to... But it doesn't really make sense to have just their original content because that's. I mean, maybe what they're doing is they're, you know, that they're announcing that now because it's the content that they have Mm -hmm. and that they're hoping that uh, they will use the inertia from that in order to partner with other people and get other stuff on there. Maybe. This is also another thing there. They didn't announce the price. Yeah. The only thing they announced the price on was the news, which was released already so Mm -hmm. that would be a requirement (laughs) yeah i feel like a whole bunch of this you know since news is the only thing that came out today i feel like they pre-announced a whole bunch of this specifically because news was the only thing that was ready and they can't do a keynote just on news plus but they wanted to get the news out there uh okay dad so they, they basically went on unending discussions of the shows that they're making follow first first they had a black and white video talking about creativity or something like that that and since i was going back and forth to it um paying like half attention and reading the subtitles i was extraordinarily confused as to why they were displaying that video (laughs) well part of what it was is that they're showing that they care about creativity 
They want to launch a video service where the shows they have on there are good. As opposed to Netflix, which Netflix will greenlight anything. I don't know. Will they? I mean, Netflix, are you being sarcastic? Because a lot of the stuff on Netflix is very good. Yes. Yes. But they have so much stuff. Yeah. They had spent, they had literally spent billions of dollars on a whole, like a whole bunch of shows. Right. I mean, there, there was actually a, there was a joke on uh, South Park where they, uh, I think it was the boys called, um, they called Netflix and the person answers the phone. Thanks for calling Netflix. You've been greenlit. <laughs> That's cute though. When I'm looking through stuff to watch on Netflix, if it was made by Netflix, it, does get a little bit better priority since they do have a pretty good track record of making good shows. I feel like with Netflix that there is, there is no one specific thing that makes me keep my Netflix subscription. Like no, you know, no gotta watch show. I thought you were going to like say game of Thrones in a weird way, but (laughs) well, that's compared to uh, HBO, right? With, with HBO, HBO's approach is having a show which makes you subscribe. Mm-hmm. You know, saying, okay, why do I subscribe? Why do I subscribe to Netflix? Oh, there they may have a show out there that's interesting that, you know, passes the time that I like to watch. Where, why do you subscribe to HBO? Game of Thrones. Last week tonight. Westworld. Westworld. Yeah. Where I think Apple... TV Plus, they're trying to do the same thing. They're trying to be more like HBO than Netflix. Mm. Or they're trying to compete with Netflix by being more like HBO. I remember Netflix's thing was like, uh, we need to become HBO before HBO becomes us. Yeah, I can see that. I can see why. But I mean, overall, there was some stuff which looks, some of the shows, like uh, the one with... uh, what is it? The the guy from The Big Sick. I keep forgetting his name. Like, he has a show which are about a bunch of different stories from immigrants and, uh, you know, children of immigrants. Yeah, he's he's the guy. He's on Silicon Valley, isn't he? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, he is. I still need to watch that. He was, for me, he was actually the, uh, the most natural person up there. Oh. Well, the thing is, I, I was only reading their text, so. Okay, okay. Yeah, like uh, his show, Little America, I'm actually I'm interested in watching that. Mm. The thing with uh, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, I'm trying to think of the name of that show. It was some sort of thing about newsrooms or whatever. That I'm kind of like, eh, could do without. I uh, I found it interesting that uh, Sesame Street, or it's like the uh, they're partnering with Sesame Street to do a show about coding for kids. Uh-huh. Seems like by the time that they're ready for the coding, aren't they a little past Sesame Street? I mean, I did my first program when I was five. It, it's along the lines of if you if you put things in a way that is conducive to actual, you know, programs, program building. And if you get kids in the mindset for it early, then I could see it being beneficial. Mm. When I was in school, when I, um, I remember like either kindergarten or first grade, there was logo. Do mm-hmm. you remember that? I do. I remember doing stuff with Logo. Though there's been some research lately that uh, the assumption that you need to get started really early in something is, turns out to actually not be correct. Like that you mm-hmm. need to spend a lot of time when you're young to do something. It it turns out that you want to give like 
kids a lot of exposure to different things when they're young. And then you Mm -hmm. typically do best if they don't start specializing until they're like teenagers. Okay, that's fair. But I mean, just having it having it out there, I think, is a good for the world. Yeah, it's it's, you know, because it's good that they can learn. And I I kind of laughed because that show, in a way, is self-serving to Apple. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. watch 20 years. 20 years from now, there will be people working at Apple. In Big Bird costumes. <laughs> but who started working, who started learning code from a show mm-hmm. that Apple, you know, helped put out. Mm-hmm. The biggest question I have with this whole thing is that they were saying with like a combination of, you know, the shows that they're doing and then the uh, Apple TV changes. They said that they're going to recommend shows that are for you based on other shows that you've watched. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I don't see here is profiles. See, Netflix Netflix has profiles mm-hmm. so they can do better recommendations. Right. You know, so that I'm not being recommended stuff that are like Hallmark movies. They probably do it based off of your signed in Apple ID and take advantage of the normal Apple family account thing, right? Uh, Well, not right now. Right now, I mean, with... Uh, with I mean, Apple TV right now, it recommends it recommends shows based on what's generally been watched on the Apple TV period. Right. It's but just that's that's for the Apple TV, which does have its own signed in Apple ID, right? That would be one input. And but then I think they assume that people will also watch stuff on the iPads and phones and stuff. Yeah. But what I would like is that on the Apple TV that you can say who you are mm-hmm. <laughs> within your family. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's a nice, simple way to say, okay, I am Mark and I'm watching this. That way I'm not being recommended stuff that I don't want to watch. Yeah. I mean, I get pop I get pop-ups on my watch in the TV app now for shows that I care nothing about because the woman is watching the show. Mm-hmm. I've given up on my Netflix recommendations just because everyone just logs into my account. See, Netflix recommendations for me are still horrible, even if people aren't doing that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, I thought their recommendations actually used to be pretty decent. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the uh, I don't know if it's them changing to thumbs up, thumbs down. Maybe that ended up being a loss of information on this. God, like uh, I'm being recommended stuff like I see shows on the list. I'm like, really? There is no way on earth I would want to watch this. I I think that you and I may have been outliers in that we gave accurate stars to the things um and most people just either gave things one star or four stars yeah i could see that when apple tv plus comes out do you think you'll uh do you think you'll try it no probably not well depending on what apple tv plus does depending on their partnerships with other studios if they do end up becoming a credible Netflix competitor, mm-hmm. would you consider trying it out just to see if, uh, you know, see if you like it better? Maybe. I might. But you're saying if it is just or- their original programming and nothing else, you wouldn't. Right. I definitely wouldn't, with, especially with what they showed. I mean, the only one okay. that I saw there that seemed interesting was Amazing Stories. Yeah, that's probably the only one I would have watched. Maybe, maybe the... Uh, See, the immigration stories seem kind of interesting, but probably not enough that I would watch it. Well, I figured that I would try it 
I wouldn't specifically get it for that, but I would try the service and see if we use it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there would have to be more of a poll than what they have. Sure. Sure. But since this was so pre-announced, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I feel like that's the initial firing, you know, firing across the bow. And what they finally at, at the end, they had Oprah. You get a TV show and you get a TV show. And you get a TV show. I really hate Oprah. <laughs> Someone is going to find our podcast now and you're you're going to get like doxxed and people are like that about Oprah. I have no idea. I just know that people really I just know that people really like her. I know people are like that about Beyonce. <laughs> there was an SNL skit about that, wasn't there? Like uh, I haven't seen. Okay. I haven't seen that. But I mean, I really don't care for Beyonce either. I don't hate her. I'm sort of indifferent. I don't, you know, I don't hate her where um, I viscerally hate Oprah. Okay. I don't know enough about Oprah to either like her or hate her. I just know that she's very famous and a lot of people like her. Okay. So, uh, story time. Oh, boy. So, back in 2006, I worked for a company that did... uh, that basically did network marketing. Network marketing is a euphemism for multi-level marketing. It's basically legal pyramid scheme stuff. So these people I ended up going to work for, they did a magazine that was targeting these people who did MLM. And uh, when I went to work there, I didn't even realize what this was at first when I went to work there. But um, anyhow, they had me watch something called The Secret. Oh, I remember this. I remember you talking about this anyway. I never watched it. Yeah. So in case this ends up going on the show, the premise of the secret is something called the law of attraction, where if you focus on positive things, if you poke, if you focus on, you know, your, your mental focus is on prosperity and wealth and wellness that you will end up attracting these things and find prosperity and wealth and happiness and all that. Where on the other hand, If you fixate on things that are negative, such as, you know, sickness and stress and all that, you will end up getting more of these things happening in your life, you know, sickness, stress. They say that uh, the car, like, for instance, the car crash you got into, the car crash you ended up getting into, the bad thing that ended up happening was because you ended up attracting it to you. So it's like, you know, that drunk driver that ended up hitting you at night when you were driving regularly down the road, that was you. That was you attracting them. Well, I think the idea, the the problem is that they mix cause and effect. Like, for example, there are more car accidents on Friday the 13th because people are, (laughs) it's sort of a, I don't want to say confirmation bias. Um, That's the closest I can think of at the moment. But like people that are superstitious about bad things happening if they go walk under Mm -hmm. a ladder are more likely to get in an accident after they walk under a a ladder. Um, But it's not because there's some sort of magical force um, happening there. It's because part of their psychology has been manipulated such that they are more likely to make mistakes that would get them into this kind of situation. Yeah, which, you know, that's fair. That is fair. However, they make it universal. And 
the whole reason that this is successful, or you know, the the secret was such a big thing with uh, MLM types, is confirmation bias. So you know, you're trying to sell your your skin cream or your pots and pans or whatever it is they sell through, you know, these legal pyramid schemes. And if the person is successful, that's confirmation to them saying, oh, well, I am, I am successful because I am positive. But on the other hand, if you're like the 85% of people that don't make money with an MLM and actually end up losing money, the reason that you are not successful is because of your self-doubt. So what it's doing is it's trying to encourage you to be 100% positive, mm-hmm. which ends up keeping you within the scheme. Yeah. So so basically, it takes an element of psychology that has some truth to it, and it manipulates it such to that in such a way that it is no longer accurate. Correct. It's sort of like people take like some of the peculiar peculiarities of quantum physics. And sort of try and map that to some sort of crazy other idea that they have. Yes. And one of the things of law of attraction is they say that quantum physics confirms it. Because it it goes into a, uh, it goes kind of into the weeds Mm -hmm. by saying, quote unquote, it goes into the whole consciousness causes collapse, you know, side theory of, uh, you know, side theory of quantum mechanics. So anyhow. Around that time, this company that I ended up working for, a deal between Amazon and the makers of The Secret ended up falling through. So Amazon was not selling The Secret directly. Okay. So this company I ended up working for ended up being the people who ended up having the sole, uh, ended up being the sole primary people who ended up selling it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So it was a third-party Amazon seller. However, this company ended up, you know, working, ended up selling these DVDs. Mm -hmm. And this was around the time that uh, it started to get traction where they started mentioning it on Larry King and a whole bunch of slew of other shows. Mm -hmm. But it was ultimately Oprah who ended up being the person that ended up putting it into the lime, into the limelight the most. And uh, by the way, there were, this was around the time of the iPhone first being announced Mm -hmm. when you actually watch the iphone keynote he'll say he's like oh let's go on amazon and let's look at the top movies that are there and you see the secret on there as number two (laughs) and he mentions okay okay here's a pixar one and then skips over the secret and then goes to oh number three and i kind of laughed i'm like my man (laughs) so it's like i work i worked for this company and i realized that uh it's like i hated it because I felt, I felt morally compromised in that you're manipulating people, you're manipulating people's psychology in order to, uh, you know, in order to get them to sell crappy skin cream mm-hmm. and other things. And I actually, I, I quit. I walked out of that company <laughs> right around the time that Oprah ended up announcing it. So they were without an IT person at that point. <laughs> this is why. I hate Oprah viscerally because she ended up pushing that. She ended up pushing that very heavily. And for Oprah, it is confirmation bias for Oprah that Oprah is successful. Therefore, it was entirely her mentality and entirely her doing that made her successful. No luck, no, you know, no good fortune, anything like that. So it's kind of, in a lot of ways... It's a lot like um, 
Have you heard of the concept of social Darwinism? Mm-hmm. It's very much like social Darwinism where people are rich because they, you know, because they deserve to be rich and people are poor because they deserve to be poor. So it's that same kind of, it's very similar in that respect. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the other thing with Oprah is that she brought, uh, you know, she's responsible for Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz. Uh, yeah. And it's like, okay, you are introducing, can- you know, you're introducing more cancer into the world. <laughs> and it's like, I don't like either of them. I don't like either. You know, Do- Dr. Phil is a uh, glorified Jerry Springer at this point, And Dr. Oz, and Dr. Oz hawks complete crap for somebody who is a you know for somebody who's an actual physician Mm -hmm. who's actually you know cardiologist it's like you should not be you should not be pushing stuff that is within the realm of uh you know not uh, not tested by the fda that ends up being crap Mm -hmm. you know bs so anyhow yeah that that is my oprah rant so i see i see her and it's like go away (laughs) <laughs> it was amusing that uh what apple apple had steven spielberg uh jennifer aniston steve carell all as warm-up acts for oprah right right by the way we forgot to mention that apple tv plus is going to smart tvs oh yeah so <laughs> another one of the apple tv things yeah, the Apple TV Plus is that it's going to go and Apple is making apps for all sorts of devices, including smart TVs and Roku. Roku, Fire TV. Yeah. All of the big players there. They they really want subscribers. What Roku, the president of Roku had said, is that uh, most of these people are uh, going to be watching TV through their smart TV app. Right. That, that That's where it's mostly happening for them. So it's like, okay, that entirely makes sense. So another another services kind of thing would be Google's announcement with the Google Stadia. And I'll have to say that I actually did not watch this keynote. Did you? I did not watch this keynote. You know why we didn't watch the keynote? Because we were recording a podcast while the keynote was on. Yeah. I actually got texted in the middle of the last podcast. Are you watching the Google event? And I'm like, no, recording podcast. <laughs> Talk later. And we didn't bother to catch up. So Google has their own gaming service where all of the processing is done in the cloud. It's very similar to what OnLive and all those other failed streaming-based gaming services. Since it's Google, this I think it has a better chance of succeeding but also, since it's Google, um, there's a good chance that they'll just give it up randomly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rest in peace, Google News. I miss Google Reader so much. Yeah, It was my favorite. So, um, what games are available on Google Stadia? Uh, I know that a new Doom game is going to be there. Oh, yeah, Doom Eternal. Yeah. That's right. So, if they can get... Doom Eternal working nicely, that, that's a good sign. Part of the part of the deal here is they also have a controller, and unlike previous attempts where your controller would attach to your computer and or other streaming device, 
and then that would go and talk to the streaming servers and interact with it. This one, the controller talks directly to the Google ser- servers to reduce latency. That's actually that's pretty smart. Yeah, I, I think that was that was a smart thing for them to do. And I'm I'm guessing maybe they'll have some sort of built-in adjust prediction algorithms or something. Would be I mm-hmm. guess it's unclear exactly how well they'll be able to do and how twitchy a game it'll be able to support. But it's it's certainly interesting, I guess. I I don't see Geometry Wars being on Google Stadia at all. Uh, no, that one's definitely too twitchy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Uh, did they say which devices it will be available on? Um, I think that it'll be able to go directly to like a Chromecast uh, along with computers, and there'll probably be smart TV apps for it. Apple TV? I would assume so, <clears throat> but I, I, I don't know for sure. I think it would be ideal through a smart TV. Because at least then, I think that would have the lowest chance of latency. Yeah. And also, uh, if it is on a smart TV app, their app uh, could automatically adjust for things like latency. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they could partner with uh, some of the TV manufacturers, like saying, hey, could I get special Mm -hmm. low-level access to try and reduce the latency that I have with this connection from the from when we receive the network traffic to when it's displayed. Earlier, we had talked about how with Apple that it was most important for them to have their services within smart TVs because most people are using smart TVs to watch their Netflix and whatnot. Uh, so similarly, this is why Google is looking to put the this app within smart TVs because they foresee a future where all of this is just going to happen within the TV. And this has failed before. But a lot of people think that it should fundamentally work, including John Carmack, who had a couple of tweets about it, basically saying that given a lot of the latency involved in some of the pre-processing today, people are effectively getting enough latency to be looking at their content over a network connection anyway. But I mean, part of it is that there is a whole bunch of room for failure when it comes to doing this over a network. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean... With Netflix, something like Netflix or you're watching TV passively, then, I mean, things like buffer bloat and whatnot aren't, uh, you know, aren't as big of an issue with watching TV. Mm-hmm. Where with games, you know, you may introduce, what, 20, 30 milliseconds of latency just within your router if somebody's using a crappy router. Yeah, that would be a pretty bad router. I normally see sub 30-ish millisecond pings to most like gaming servers so but i mean if anything google has the infrastructure and cdn where hopefully you will be playing whatever game you're going to be playing at a place that's not too far from you right it'd be really interesting if they partnered with local service providers Mm -hmm. so for instance if you're with a company like spectrum or um, comcast that they have servers there which will uh you know actually facilitate gaming this is kind of terrible to think about, but it would actually make kind of sense for an ISP to do this sort of thing. The ISP is going to bring this up as their case against net neutrality, right? Uh, <laughs> um, we need to for the gamers. Yeah. And you're going to have a whole bunch of... Uh, that's where you actually get uh, 
anti-net neutrality support online yeah. <laughs> from a bunch of uh, a bunch of neckbeard gamer types yeah. who want lower latency. This is the future. Well, what percentage chance do you give this of actually taking off and being semi-successful? I'd say about 30-40%. Not bad, but really not great. I well, it's a lot higher percentage than I would have given the previous attempts. Like um yeah. People were really excited about on live or whatever. Yeah. So on live, which a lot of people are very excited about, I was fairly certain they were going to fail. This is the first time that I've ever had someone uh, heard people talking about it where I didn't think that they were definitely going to fail. They they have they have the engineering talent and they're a big enough company that if someone is going to make it work, it's probably going to be them or Microsoft alternatively. I guess, but Microsoft is pretty invested in the rest of the Xbox stuff. Though I guess they do have a lot of their Azure stuff. Oh, I wonder, could this, uh, it'd be really funny if like this came about because like uh, Google was expecting way more people to uh, be paying for their cloud compute services. And now now they have like all this extra compute power that they are doing nothing with. (laughs) Oh, boy. That would be so hilarious. Well, I mean, you would need a lot more GPU compute power in order to do this, as opposed to general CPU. But the, but usually, a, a lot of a lot of modern HPC stuff is GPU, so they would have had that anyway. So my main concern with this, in addition to latency, is also picture quality uh, because it'll be compressed. Yes, YouTube is not renowned for picture quality. Their 4K videos are fine. Eh. <laughs> depending on the platform will they only allow 1080p on say apple tv because apple tv doesn't support their codec probably they were saying something about eventually getting up to 8k 120 hertz yes wonder what they'll use for 8k if it'll be like av1 compression Uh, Then the last thing that we have for today is uh, at GDC, the Game Developers Conference, uh, Oculus introduced their Rift replacement, which is the Rift S. And I don't know why they did this, because aside from resolution, almost everything, and, and I guess maybe comfort, like over your head comfort uh almost everything else is worse yeah there was a palmer lucky uh article about it his palmer lucky's uh review of oculus rift s well it wasn't really a review because i don't think he has one yet but he just knows about it because of it's the same screen i think in optics as the oculus go uh that was a pretty much evisceration of the product yeah and it's primarily due to IPD, which is interpupillary distance, uh, which mm-hmm. is different for everyone. And so what the Rift S did is uh, they have a wider sweet spot in the optics, a place where you can look through and it looks like undistorted or whatever. Uh, then they adjusted the IPD in software for like what the... So that's basically how far apart the different viewports are uh, in the rendered image, which is kind of the only part that they can actually fix. Uh, there's a couple of other aspects of 
that IPD differences changes that cannot be fixed in software. And as a result, uh, Palmer, who has a not within the 90th percentile, but still not still not normal IPD, uh, was unable to use them. So he was saying it's probably fine for most people, but a lot of people out there will be noticeably worse. Uh, it, it's optimal for someone who has a, a, a perfectly normal IPD. Mm-hmm. And, but if you start to deviate from it, your distortion and everything will get worse and worse. You know what I'm reminded of was our conversation about um, Nintendo doing the uh, VR with the, the Switch. Labo. Yes. Like, you know how you were saying is that you were afraid that people would try the uh, Labo as their first VR mm-hmm. and say this sucks and never try it again. Where I see the exact same thing happening with the Oculus Rift S. You don't have an ideal IPD. You try it. It sucks. And you're like, I'm never trying this again. Right. Or you try it and it looks really cool, but there's the subtle effects that eventually give you a headache. And so you don't mm-hmm. want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, because a, a lot of, if you go and the, the, the previous Rift had a manual IPD, so it shifted, physically shifted uh, the, the lenses in and out. And if you adjust it, it actually doesn't look all of that different, but the the comfort that you have if you have it set correctly is definitely different. So, I mean, what do you think they're shooting for with this? Like, what are they specifically trying to optimize by taking this out? I think that uh, their plan is actually to just start going away from the desktop version. So one of the other things is they're partnering, partnering with Lenovo with this. So my guess is that they're trying to get as far away from this as possible while still offering it and to sort of reduce their manufacturing costs, etc. So they don't want to like say that they've abandoned the rift, but this, I think this is their first step in sort of abandoning the rift and to working toward mobile. Um, so another thing is they reduced the frame rate of on the rift, rift S from 90 to 80. Uh, they ostensibly did this because they increased the resolution of the display, but I, I don't know. Mm. And instead of an OLED, it's now an LCD. Um, there are improved optics, which is good. Now, the uh, my understanding with making it an LCD is that there were issues with, with the OLED when you had it near complete black. So they had to adjust it by having the OLED, you know, at least slightly on all the time and not having it complete true black. Really? That doesn't seem right. I'll have to find that. Okay. The article on that. So people, there was somebody arguing that, oh, with the LCD, it's really doesn't end up being that much worse anyway due to the issues that they were having before. I don't know. It looked pretty black to me. But overall, the... um the resolution is good, but I figured that they would have wanted the refresh rate to be higher, not lower. Yeah. That at least inch towards 120. They, they claim that this is so they don't have to increase the minimum specs, but it's been a couple of years now. It's okay. It's okay to increase the minimum specs. So you're saying minimum specs for a computer mm-hmm. that hooks up to the right. S? right. Out of curiosity, I mean, you can set your resolution per game, right? 
Uh, oh yeah. no 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 no! Not with the no 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 no. Your re- your resolution is always the same with the with the Rift. Oh, so they're afraid that somebody will get a Rift S over a Rift and say like, "Oh, why is my gameplay slower?" Mm-hmm. I, I think it's not a good excuse. But I mean, the resolution is quite nice. Yeah, and it is. It also moves to inside out tracking, uh, so you don't need to have all the cameras set up. But if you already have a Rift, this isn't a huge deal because you just mm-hmm. put them in place once and then you never change it. It does make like going to a new place and setting it up easier. And it does mean you don't need a gazillion USB ports anymore. Uh, so it's easier to deal with if you want to hook it up to like a laptop or something. So, I mean, is the, do you think this is going to be it when it comes to uh, the Rift, that uh, the S is going to be the replacement for a while? Or are they going to have something that will appeal to people who have non-ideal IPDs and whatever other kind of issues and constraints. I don't know. They, they, they're rumored. It was rumored that the Rift 2 was canceled and that's why like Brendan Arib left. But I don't know that that's actually the case. I mean, they're definitely still hiring people to work on these things. So, I mean, if they're going the route of the go and the quest, then, I mean, that's an opening for HTC to pretty much fill in the gaps when it comes to PC gaming and VR. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the Quest that they're going to release at roughly the same time for roughly the same price, um, it is only 72 frames per second, which is its disadvantage versus the Rift, even the new Rift. Um, But it's even higher resolution, it also has the improved optics. It has a mechanical IPD. In in fact, the resolution is better than the Rift S, it, it, despite having the Snapdragon in it. And then there's some rumors that um, it's going to have a way to connect directly to the PC to have like um, the screen fed by a PC uh, in an alternate mode. There's some like tweets from like Carmack and everything, basically saying no guarantees, but it's something we're uh, definitely trying to do. So yeah, there there doesn't seem to be a good reason for someone who has a Rift already to get a Rift S. And if you want a PC-based Rift and you have a non-normal IPD, you better go get your Rift now. Well, they're still in stock. Oh, also, they're $50 more expensive than the new Rift S. Watch. The uh, the old Rifts are going to be on eBay for an excessive amount of money. I, I, I guess that's good for me. Uh, how is your IPD? Is yours within the normal range? Yeah, mine's pretty, mine's pretty close to normal. Okay. So, I mean, I could get one. I think, I, I think my eyes are very slightly closer together than perfectly average. Didn't they say as well that uh, they took, they're not going to have headphones anymore on the new Rift? Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Um, they do have, they don't have headphones. They do have still audio, but it's similar to the Oculus Go audio. So mm. the the Rift's audio was actually quite good. And so I don't, I, when I when I play things using my Rift, I don't feel like if I play Beat Saber or whatever, I don't feel like oh, this would be so much better if I used my good headphones um, because the audio is actually pretty good. 
Um, but the new one is going to have similar to the the Go audio, which is not as good. But it does have at least a headphone jack this time, so you can plug in your own headphones. Great, I guess. Yeah, but I, I'd much rather have a high-quality set of headphones on the device itself than the little two little audio holes in, in there. I don't know. I think I feel like this is going to get a really bad reception, and I don't see... Uh... I don't see a lot of people going out and getting a Rift S after, you know, all this. Yeah. But then they might be doing that on purpose so that uh, it justifies them no longer working on it. Yeah. this They want a reason to have canceled the Rift 2 that they already did. It's like, nobody's buying it on the desktop. Everyone's buying it on mobile. Honestly, I do think that, like, the full freedom is kind of a better experience in general. But it would be nice if... But there's, quite frankly, different games and different capabilities you can have with a dedicated PC. This is true. You know what it would actually kind of make sense now that I think about it? If Google did a headset and paired it with Stadia. That seems like it would be way too much latency. Because you need it to be really, really fast. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Otherwise, you're going to get motion sickness. Fair enough. Yeah, there's the HP Reverb that I guess people are saying uh, are liking because it's sort of a higher-end headset. Oh, that one is going to be... That one's It's a Reverb at 2160 by 2160 per eye. But looking at it, it only has, like, two tracking cameras, so I would never buy that. I don't understand all of these like Windows media headsets where they do the tracking inside out tracking via um, two cameras, even if they're wide angle, because you just don't get enough Mm. coverage. Um, You need, I think, at least the amount the Quest has, which is four and ideally more. The um, the new Rift S has five cameras, uh, which I think Mm -hmm. is better. It'd be nice if the Quest had that. Maybe at some point if the cameras come down in price. Or maybe it's a processing issue. I don't know. Supposedly, the um, there's no performance hit on the Quest due to the camera processing. I think it's offloaded to its own thing, its own process. There's like a DSP that handles all of that stuff. And um, supposedly, so, so the entire Snapdragon can be used for, it, it can be used for actual games. Oh, there was also a video of... Uh, John Carmack did a stream of Beat Saber um, from his testing because I guess he was using Beat Saber to try and determine if the tracking was good uh, on the controllers and make adjustments and whatnot. He's pretty good at it, isn't he? Well, at, when he posted, he has the had the, like the number two high score or whatever. See, uh, small story with John Carmack. When I was a teenager. I used to uh, I used to go into the id software IRC chat mm-hmm. and uh, hang out there. And there was one of the developers that was there that uh, he was saying something along the lines of, "Oh, we're like, oh, who's there right now? Carmax in his office." And we're like, "Oh, go go bug him." <laughs> He's like, "No, I wouldn't do that." And I'm like, and we're like, "Oh, it's okay. You can take him." And uh, 
the guy's like, no, pound for pound, Carmack's probably the toughest guy here. Yeah. He's uh, really into judo, I guess. What was the story about him? He used to like a he used like a decorative axe to break down a door once, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I think someone had gotten locked in somehow. This was in the Masters of Doom book. Um someone was locked in their office or something and or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but uh he went well he's like, Well, I do have that axe hanging up on my wall. And so he went and got it and like chopped the door down or whatever. And then the, did he peer through and say, here's Johnny? <laughs> that would be so appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, anything else to cover on the S? Yes? Uh, I don't think so. I think we can wrap up. So thank you for listening to ALH. You can visit us at ALH.FM and bug us on Twitter, Aliens Land Here. Um, and we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye, everybody. Later. I'm guessing you still haven't done your homework. No. I've been in Texas for I don't even know how long now. Mm. You didn't bring your Switch? No. I bring my Switch on any travel. I'm surprised you don't bring it. I don't. I didn't have time. Mm. I didn't have time at all. I mean, unless... uh, Unless I'm supposed to be playing it while working out. Could play it um, while at the airport? Eh. I I actually did auto-tune it. And it sounded exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, Uh, I need to make this slightly different somehow. I guess I'll add reverb. Uh, it's like it means you're on pitch I guess a singing career is ahead for you (laughs) (laughs) bye Dr. Nick